Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following program contains names, places, and events that have been anonymized or fictionalized for the purposes of protection and safety. The following program is provided for entertainment purposes only, and any commentary from the hosts are strictly conjecture and should not be held as making any definitive statements about the truth or identity of any particular individuals or circumstances. If you or a loved one are involved in an abusive relationship, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 for support. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Mackenzie. Are you, like, losing your mind today? So I am, because if you guys are following us on social, you've heard who's going to be on the show today. And this is someone whose story I have followed since the very beginning. And I really love the heroism and the courage that this woman showed in this story. So um, we're talking to Tara Newell, who is... Yeah, (laughs) that's how I feel right now. Badass Tara Newell. Total badass. So Tara Newell is the survivor of the violent attack from John, Dirty John Meehan. So I don't, if you've heard of Dirty John, this is the story. You've probably seen it on, you know, the Netflix or the podcast. The podcast, yeah. People Magazine, literally anywhere. So this has been an ongoing story for the last seven years. And it's just... It speaks to, well, it spoke to me just because of her courage and her bravery. Her femme tuition. Yeah. This was her mom's boyfriend that she she kind of had this gut feeling. She had this femme tuition that just wouldn't go away. Her and her sister, they knew something was wrong and they just, they tried to say it, but how do you tell someone you love? Like I couldn't even imagine being in a position where you have to kind of like you have this gut feeling. Anyways, so she's like the OG dogfish victim. Like this is like the original OG dogfish story. And it's just a great representation of like how dangerous and serious these situations can get. For anyone who doesn't know the story, I mean, I encourage you to look into it just independently because it's, there's so much more than we could cover in one episode. Like they have a whole podcast about all of the things that Dirty John did and his background. And he was, I mean, he's despicable. This is a heavy one because it got, you know, violent. And a lot of our stories, thankfully, do not. So just be prepared for that. But yeah, I think it was also really interesting. I loved getting to talk to her. It's different to hear it from the voice of the woman who went through it and hear about the other women in the story. And like, I think it's so important to hear that perspective as much as we love it, you know, not hating on journalists, but like, I want to hear from the people who survived it and who 
are there to empower the rest of us. That's one thing that I was going to mention too, is that there's a whole, like everything's dirty John, dirty John, dirty John. But what about this incredible woman who survived his attack? I'm so excited to hear from her own words. I want to put the spotlight on her. I want to showcase how brave and how strong and how amazing she is. And I don't care about dirty John like that, I know. whatever. but everything is so focused on dirty John. But what about what about the victims? What about the survivors? And so are you guys ready to hear from this incredible survivor herself? Because I am. I am too. And also you guys, oh, so this was when I went to LA and we were in the studio and I'm so sorry, but oh, we kept yeah. kicking the microphones. Like, <laughs> they had this they had this like velvet couch and it's like a half circle and there's like a little round coffee table. It's so cute, right? But we kept kicking the microphones. So every time it like, you hear like a big boom or something, it's just us being ridiculous. I'm really sorry. So we're very also fidgety. <laughs> I like don't know how to sit in a chair and I really don't. We are children. So anyways, that's what that's that's what you hear is the the pounding and the banging on the mics is because we were kicking them. So sorry, but let's get going. I'm excited. Yay! We are so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for hopping on. I am such a fangirl of you. I am just so excited that you're here. Oh, that is so sweet. Thank you for having me. Why don't we start by having you just break down what happened to you? I'm sure a lot of people do know the story, but for those who don't, and even those who do, like we want to hear what went down from your perspective. Okay. Hi, I'm Tara Newell. I am the survivor of Dirty John Meehan. Dirty John was this guy that my mom ended up with. She got into a relationship with him, ended up marrying him, didn't know he was a con artist. He was a serial con artist, and eventually he ended up coming after me and trying to kill me, and I killed him in self-defense. My mom and John met on a dating website called Our Time, and then she started to have this real whirlwind romance with him. Everything was just perfect. You know, he claimed to be a doctor. He was just bringing her coffee every single day. He was just the perfect man at first. And always are. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, just like when someone's getting love bombed, you're just like, wow, I've never felt this way before. This is amazing. That's so nice. Right? And then he was carrying her purse, which like now I think that's weird, but then my boyfriend (laughs) will sometimes do that for me. That's kind of nice. Someone to carry stuff for me. Right? (laughs) And then it was just like he was uber like always on point at the beginning. And I didn't meet him until my sister actually started to have a lot of issues with him. And so my sister was like, he's, you know, he's a scumbag. Something's going on with him. He's a grifter. How old were you and your sister whenever your mom started dating John? I was 24. She was 25. Babies. Yeah. So my sister expressed her concerns and my mom's response was, I need to move and get my own place and create boundaries. Mm -hmm. And take her space and time to learn about the relationship. Yeah. It sounds like she was like doing a lot of things right. In a sense. But here's the thing. Her therapist was telling her, create boundaries with your kids. And then that was able for him to come in more oh, so. Oh, I thought you were saying like create boundaries with John. You meant with the kids. Never yes, mind. With the kids. I, that's, I take back what I said. <laughs> well, no, it was, you're correct there in that. She balance. did need yeah. to have boundaries with us. Okay. And I, you know, we've worked a lot on our boundaries since, but 
unfortunately, that created that further divide where he was able to isolate my mom away from us. So she goes and she moves and she was claiming she wasn't moving in with him. But when I went to go help her move and I stayed with her, I could see that his stuff was there and I wasn't snooping or anything. I was just like being her daughter and going in, you know, it's in plain sight. It's in plain sight. Yeah. <laughs> and then like the room I was staying in, that's where he had his box of like stuff. Mm-hmm. And then right on top of the box was a nursing certificate. <gasps> and I I didn't think anything of that because I was just like, oh well, my thought was like, oh, he's already moving in. Like there's his stuff. I didn't see the nursing certificate and be like, he's not a doctor. So explain <laughs> explain to us the whole thing with the nursing certificate. What did he tell your mom that he did for a living? So he was an anesthesiologist. Yeah, which is a doctor, which requires a medical degree that is not just nursing certificate. <laughs> well, and then here's something different, too. He was, well, he did get his nursing license, but he also wasn't, like, it wasn't legal. Like He didn't have his, like, updated license or something or... I don't know. Well, he lost it because Uh, he sold drugs to people. That'll do it. Yeah. 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 So she literally moved in with him, but like tried to be nonchalant about it. And then I went back to Vegas because I was living in Vegas at the time, came back. Um, It was the day before Thanksgiving. I did all the grocery shopping for her and everything and then I was talking to my hairdresser, who is also my mom's hairdresser, my sister's hairdresser. And then she did John's hair recently. And she was giving us the lowdown about him and saying something's up. I kind of love that because hairdressers right? are always the ones. Yes. They know everything. Okay. So what did she say? So she was like, he's using your mom's car. He's doing this. He's doing that. And that's when I got a text message from my mom saying that she was at the hospital with John for his arm hurting. And I was like, oh, he's a drug addict. (laughs) Yes. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Because, like, I've had many friends that had those issues. And the one thing they would always do is end up in the hospital with, like, their arm or their leg or something hurting. Because they're shooting up so much drugs that, like, your veins get jacked up at times. So you're piecing things together, knowing that this guy's not the greatest for your mom. Yeah. And this is just the beginning. Yeah. And then he I end up getting into a fight with him because my mom comes into the doorway of the room that we're staying in. And then I'm just being like, why is he using your car? Why is he doing this? He comes up right behind her and starts screaming at me and is like, Tara, you just want your mom for yourself. Um, And then I was like, no, John, that's what you want. There was a lot of FUs thrown around. And then at one point, my mom kind of looks at like my boyfriend that's there. And she's like, do you feel the same way? And then he, he confirms like there's something not right here. And so we pack up our stuff. We go to my sister's house. And I remember my sister getting text messages from my mom's phone saying you should jump off of the building head first would be preferred. (gasps) Oh, my God. John would give my mom sleeping pills when a big fight would happen. And so my mom would fall asleep and then he would take her phone and pretend to be her and text us. 
That's terrible. And then probably delete them and deny uh-huh. it. Oh my God. So y'all knew early and your mom is in love and he's also turning her against you. So after that, like my mom ends up leaving him once because my family hired a private investigator and he actually was able to bring my mom to a lawyer and the lawyer told her that all the stuff that the private investigator found was not him. <laughs> it was somebody like, else with the you. same name. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so she believes him and then she gets back into this relationship with him. It takes an average of someone seven times to leave that abusive relationship. And so she went back. No. Now, at this point, when he's with your mom and you guys are trying to, like, I guess even before and after you were trying to make your case, like, this guy's not good. Was he going to work every day? Like, what was he doing? What was, like, uh-huh. how was she not seeing it, I guess? So I have to just say it's illegal to put trackers on people's cars before I say this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we would never do that ever. This is an entertainment podcast. Everything is entertainment only. <laughs> yeah, so... I would go and meet with my mom and then I would text my sister where we were at and then she would go put it under her car and then she would gather the information where the car was going and stuff and then we could figure out when he had the car because he would go to several different doctor's offices and we didn't really know exactly what he was doing but I think he was either selling drugs or getting drugs and then like you know yeah that whole shebang he was being a grifter you know yeah and so I'm wearing the same scrubs. Oh, yes. Every day. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> and Jacqueline actually worked for a plastic surgeon office. So she knew like a little bit of the background of. And Jacqueline is my your, sister. Mm-hmm. She is actually the one that like hired the private investigator. She's the one that put the trackers under their car and got all the information. Armchair sleuth. Armchair sleuth. Yes. But she and she got she called Tanya at one point. Tanya's Did, his ex-wife. Yes. Yeah. Um, Tanya didn't respond or anything, which was kind of a bummer for us, but I do understand like safety is Wanting a huge thing. Yeah. yeah. Like Keep I don't want it's like leave me out of it. I'm done. Yeah. And we just like no one would help us. We knew he was dangerous and we we also speculated that he was poisoning my mom at one point. Mm-hmm. And we need evidence. Right. So we were like okay, we got to contact other women and see, like, who he is. But all the other women didn't want to come and help us until, like, the show comes out, which I understand because he's dead now. He's not going to come after them. But it sucks for us. Yeah. So what happens next? So my mom left him and, again, and she left him for good this time. And then I was like getting into my routine again. I was getting back to life. And I planned to go to a Jason Aldean concert. And right before the Jason Aldean concert, I actually went to work, work that day. But I came back like halfway through at lunch to get like half ready. Like I did the foundation base and then the blush. <laughs> and so that's why when you see me in my like photo where I'm attacked, like I'm halfway done. <laughs> Wait, that you are so one of us because the Listen, fact that you're like, I just want to know, everyone, I didn't do the full face that day. <laughs> like, 
Oh this my is a, god! This, that is like that's how you plan. That's how you get it done. Like I'm gonna right? do half of it now. Oh yeah. Then I yeah. can time it just right. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I have 15 minutes to get back and get ready, and then my friend's gonna be there. So the day before, he also made a fake call to my work in a French accent. I worked as a dog groomer. It was during feeding time. And so usually I get everyone's information. I just needed to get him off the phone. And I was like, okay, I have a 12 o'clock tomorrow with two Rhodesian Richbacks. And he knew to say Rhodesian Richbacks because he was stalking me on the hikes and on the back bay trail. Yeah. Like that would have been a better spot to grab me, but... Whatever. I mean, whatever. What are the dogs going to say? Right. And so that client was a no-show. He just wanted to get to know my schedule. Mm -hmm. But it didn't work out for him. He shouldn't have booked his dogs because that changed my schedule when they were a no-show. So I went home and then the gate was broken. I complained about it the day prior. And then I literally pulled to the gate and then there's a guy this is an this is an apartment complex by yes. the way and this is um like an open garage mm-hmm. too it's like so it's on the top and then there's like the bottom garage that's enclosed so this is like for everyone to see and i pull into my parking spot but there's a guy and he's fiddling with a tire iron he's backed up into the spot my dog starts going off on him and i tell my dog knock it off And so I get out of the car, I grab my dog, and then he grabs me by the waist, and then he looks me in the eyes and he says, do you remember me? I immediately did remember him. And I tried to run away at first, but I was unable to detach from him. And so I put my purse up to protect my heart and some of the vital organs around there, and that was just natural to me instinct and so he wasn't able to get my heart oh and he actually i think that's when he got me here too but it didn't go deep enough so she put her arm in front of her body to protect herself and she got stabbed in the arm and then i did this with like my purse okay yeah and um my purse was like probably just like a little bit bigger and it was leather too so it was like not as like easy to penetrate if anyone ever is like justifying a purchase Now's the time. Now's the time to like get a nice sturdy purse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder if they make like, oh, the chain purses. Get one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I am unable to detach from him. He's trying to put his hand over my mouth. I bite it as hard as I can. So he can't really do that. And I end up at this point on my back and so I fall on my shoulders my shoulders like hit the ground and then he's on top of his knees and then he this time I can see the knife where before when I actually thought I was just getting punched Mm -hmm. and so at this point I'm on my back and then my legs are up so I'm like pedal kicking Mm -hmm. and I'm kicking his arm as it's coming down onto me. My dog also is attacking his ankles. Good boy. Right. And then I I'm able to actually kick the knife out of his hand. It landed on my right hand side. I'm right handed. Mm -hmm. And then I pick it up and I just start willing on him. And I at first like I thought I was stabbing him in the front of his shoulder, but I was actually overthrowing it and getting it into his back of his shoulders. 
And I I end up stabbing him in the forehead because I actually gave thought to this. I stabbed him in the forehead and then I stabbed him in the eye, which is softest point of entry to the brain. Mm-hmm. And so that is what I believe made him truly brain dead. So I just scoot away. I start assessing the situation. I toss the knife away from his body. So if he is by any chance can get up, he can't grab it right away. And so I start scooting away. I realize I have a stab wound in my forearm. So I start applying pressure to that um, to get this bleeding to slow down. And then I see this lady and she's like, what can I do to help you? So I tell her, please grab my dog. And then at this point, other people start coming up. Like this guy with dreads came up on a bike and he gave me a sweater. And I kept repeating myself over and over again because I didn't want to give people too much information. But I also wanted them to know that I didn't do this because you it was willy nilly, you know? Mm. <laughs> so I kept saying, This is my stepdad. He tried to kill me. This is my stepdad. He tried to kill me. This is my stepdad. He tried to kill me. So I kept repeating that over and over again. And I'm also in a state of shock. Of course. So um, that's when the lifeguard girl, Skylar, comes up and then she's like, I'm Skylar. I'm trained in this situation. And then she gives me a clean towel to wrap around my wound. And it's like, honestly, when people are helping me, I'm like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> it's fine. I'm fine. And then I got my phone. I started calling my mom and I told her, I'm so sorry. I think I killed your husband. Came down and I wasn't really able to see her she was just like behind the tape and then at this point I ended up going in the ambulance and going to the hospital they interrogated me for probably three hours and then (laughs) the cops also told me that my mom went to go be with John (gasps) yeah because she they told her she had to go identify him and they told me, yeah, your mom went to go be with her husband. That's very different things. Oh, that's so, that's terrible. Oh, yeah. No, the police treated me like I, like, and I get that they have to do certain things. Yeah. But they treated me like I was the killer in a sense, too. I they just wasn't like the criminal. Innocent yeah. until proven, like, and yeah. you're also an injured person. I don't know. Like, well, and I wasn't handcuffed or anything. So I get like that part. I'm not like, you know, yeah, but it was still like how they handled the situation was terrible, especially after what you've learned from the friend that was the security guard you saw at the concert. Like, I feel like there is a lot of I. So, yeah, the distance between when they were maybe going to arrest him and when this happened. I mean, but there's also a statue of limitation. So that was only a couple months for that. That's but- a long time to not arrest him and then say we were about to arrest him. Yeah, and he also went on, like, a couple different trips during this time, too. But here's the thing. Like, there's lots of evidence against him that he's a stalker. There was over, and this is why my case actually never went to trial, too, because there was, I believe, like, over 20 witnesses on the balconies watching all this happen. So I'm... Wow. Yeah, I'm very thankful I had that because... I don't know how many people I meet now where they're like, I'm in jail for self-defense. Really? Oh, yeah. They they tell you, oh, man. That's well, like, a nightmare. Yeah, it's like one of my worst nightmares. But I had all these witnesses. And so luckily, my 
case never went to trial and I don't think I would have been fit to do a trial to be honest no way that would have been awful I want to like thank you for sharing so much of this I mean fit to do a trial the fact that you speak so openly about what happened in a way that you want to share it and like it's a good transition into like what you've learned and what you can share we talk a lot about dating red flags and obviously i'm sure your mom and you and your whole family there's like red flags feels light for this situation (laughs) it's like what are the neon things or also just anything there's so many people who have gone through something that your family has gone through yeah you're basically a badass it's fine get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with stamps.com it's like your own personal post office Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Um, you are the like great person to ask about red flags, not only for yourself, but what you saw from the man your mom was dating and what was apparent to you, which may not have been apparent to her because she's wrapped in love. And, you know, so what are what are some of your top red flags when it comes to dating someone new? <laughs> so I always... I'm so skeptical. And I'm just like, oh, why is he just like wanting to take me out and pick me up? That's weird. Like, I don't think that's a red flag, but I think that that's something that we have to be very careful with yep. is meeting people at our house and then going into their car. Or even I have a lot of girlfriends that they're like, dating these sugar daddies and they're like send me an uber send me an uber and i've done that too but you have to be he careful has your address. yes we were talking about where on like first dates or hookups like going back to their place versus going back to your own place obviously it's like not necessarily safe either way if you don't know somebody but i don't like bringing people back to my apartment and some people think that's weird that i would go to somebody else's but i almost feel more safe having them not like know my life yeah. before I've gotten to build trust. I don't know. There's no right answer because it's scary well, either way whenever you're trying to hook up. So that's a really good red flag. It's like if they're if they need to know like where you live right away. Yeah, or something. If they're but like that's, a good, that's a good dating tip. What else do you have? What are some other recommendations from so you? So I be say, you know, these guys sometimes will either have their wallet pay for everything at first and then like not be able to pay for everything at anymore or they literally will go into it right away and be like i can't pay for this date <laughs> and like, forget their um, wallet you can call me back when you uh get a job so at first yeah. they want to impress you and then it's like i i don't have the money to impress you no more <laughs> like, yeah your turn like, yeah and john obviously kind of took advantage of your mom's situation and was able to kind of move in with her oh yeah and all of that so uh, did money. he have any money of his own or was he just he was like totally so here's the thing about like these grifters yeah they're always able to have like money sometimes Mm -hmm. and be able to get like what they want and then when they don't have money it's like oh but they always do have some type of money in order to do the grift do you think that was from his drug sales Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure he had excuses for like, oh, there's a it's tied up or it's a lawsuit or someone owes me this. Like there's always a reason. And to be clear, it's not necessary for a guy to have a lot of money when you start dating. Like that's not what we're saying, but sometimes they can be misleading. And that misleading is what the red flag is. That's something to look out for is. Or just trying to move in right away or trying to get money from you right away. Yeah. I was going to ask about your mom's like history prior to this. I love my mom, but she is a true empath, 
where and I do think that there are certain aspects of maybe her growing up in a super traditional fundam- fundamentalist church. I think that that did have some of like why she got into that relationship, to be honest. Believes in like the good and everyone and giving a chance or kind not, of just. Not that part, but more so that women need to submit to the men. Mm-hmm. And like what she grew up was very very fundamentalist. It was Nazarene Christian. And so that is a very, you know, it's not like going to say, if you're in Newport Beach, California, like a non-denominational Mariners church. It was very traditional. Yes. And so she also grew up with that. And then my grandma even forgave my uh, aunt's husband for murdering her. What? Yes. Oh my gosh. So she grew up with that kind of aspect of like, you have to always forgive when people's wrong, you know, forgiveness is the key. But here's the thing of forgiveness. You don't have to forgive completely and have a relationship with them. You could forgive someone, not have that anger towards that person, but have the boundary. Yeah. yeah. You can look out for yourself first. Yes. And so it was really interesting. She had that going on. And then I love my dad, but her and my dad's relationship was a bit toxic. They just were not meant for each other. And my mom also was married before that. And that husband actually left her when she was pregnant with her second child. And And this is not even this is before Dirty John. Yes. This is a context that I feel like I don't have from the original Dirty John podcast, which I think is so important. So many of the stories we hear like this, I feel like people deal with that question, why didn't you leave? How did you not know? And this context of where somebody is at in their own experience when they go into a situation like this and why they might be more vulnerable to manipulation, it's just always so nuanced. There's just always more there that I feel like we skip over and then we blame the victim a lot. It makes sense that you are quicker to get married, maybe, or that kind of thing. Yeah, is... I might pull up a list of, like, um, we the love trauma lists. bonding. We love a list. Because, like, this is what these type of people do. Yeah. The, this is how they get you coercively controlled in the relationship. Yep. You know trauma I mean? bonding is an interesting concept also because that's, like... Taking your vulnerability. Yes. Yeah, and connecting with someone else on that level. Go ahead with your I list. mean, I like trauma bonding with y'all, but that's different. <laughs> well, there's two different types of trauma bonding. There's the trauma bonding where you're bonded to this person because you guys experience trauma, similar trauma, or like you're just bonded because like you guys are like in a dark place, Mm -hmm. you know? And then there's the trauma bonding that actually happens with the seven stages that these abusers will do to get their... Control. Yeah, their control and their significant other involved and where they're not able to leave that relationship. And so trauma bonding is an attachment that an abuser creates using different tactics to get their romantic partner glued into the relationship where they can feel trapped and locked into this uh, relationship. And there are seven stages of the trauma bonding. There's love bombing first, which is like what he would do with like his drinks, getting her food, carry her purse and everything. So sweet. Yeah. Perfect. Prince charming. Okay. And then that's 
part of like also the trust and dependency, like getting her to depend on him. Oh, I could do this for you. I could do that. And so now you're like, oh, I don't have time in my day to get that smoothie even. And also he wanted to gain access to her finances yep. because he was like, I want to help you with your business. I want to get things, you know, this is all wrong. And they'll tell you like the hypercriticism. That's the third stage where like say these like low blow comments say like, oh, my gosh, you look really great today, but you could lose five pounds. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like Back the negging, flirting. Yes, the negging yeah. concept. Yeah. Where you almost then their validation becomes even more valuable. Yeah. yeah. And so you're trying to seek it even more. Yeah. Ugh, yes. Awful. And then it goes into the gaslighting like, oh, this is weird. Like, why are you driving his car today? Or why are you doing this? Why did you get a letter from a prison mate? And then him gaslighting her and being like, that's none of your business. This is or that. that yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, that didn't happen. You opened yeah. my mail. You're yes. the problem. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And he told her he was like, that's a federal offense. Just turning <laughs> it on her. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then there's the resigning of control. So her, in this instance, this is where he was like, you're not allowed to see your kids. This is where he creates all the rules for her. Wow. And then she's feeling like if she goes and sees like my sister, he's made threats to dump her at the bottom of the ocean. So that could happen. Oh, my God. Yes. And then it goes into the next stage where it's the loss of self, where you've kind of lost like your friend groups, everything. And now you don't know what to do. You're isolated. Yeah, you're isolated. And then it goes into the addiction stage where you're addicted to these highs and lows from the relationship because, you know, with the oxytocins, that's creating like the high effect where your Mm -hmm. body is like chemically connected to him. And then when you haven't gotten that for a minute, it might be because he's like using it as like a withholding and then mechanism. when you get so low that high feels so good again mm-hmm. the further low so, you go the higher you get it's yeah. yeah i'm so glad you just shared that because when someone's telling a story and they get that why didn't you leave him like why didn't you know i know in my core that that's not that simple but this like writes it in black and white and gives an answer to that right? where it's such a psychological process that makes sense. Yeah. Happen to anyone. I would love for our audience um, to know where they can find like a more detailed version of your story. Is the Netflix version accurate? Is there something they can read or something you would recommend where if they want to learn more about your story and more details, where can they go to get that? So the Netflix is not well, it's scripted TV, so yeah, yeah. it's not 100% accurate. I say my attack was accurate in the sense I think a really great... I like the Oxygen documentary, The Dirty Truth, um, because it shows a lot of the women's perspectives. The podcast is great, too, but that's super long. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, there's a lot in that podcast. We only have one episode. <laughs> right? But that's the Dirty John podcast. Yes. And then I also did a Vice document memory not too long ago talking about the ethics of true crime and like the aftermath of it and i think that that honestly that, that resonates really, with us yeah. a lot we really appreciate that the, being yeah. ethical in true crime and documenting not exploiting yeah yeah and the fact that you're using your story like you don't have to tell the story you don't have to tell anything but oh. you're using it as a survivor for Thank other you. survivors And talk about your podcast, because I know that you are and you will always be associated with Dirty John. But as a woman who is an individual, you are not Dirty John, just like you said. What is the name of your podcast? Tell us what you're doing now. 
So it's called the Survivor Squad Podcast. And we interview me and my partner, Collier Landry. He has a crazy true crime story as well, where his mom was murdered by his father. He overheard it. He stood on the stand and he put his dad in jail. And his dad is still incarcerated to this day. So we interview a survivor of a true crime or say their daughter or something was murdered. And um, so they're looking for advocacy. And so that's what we really try to do is give a platform. Yeah, a platform. And I've had such a big platform for my story that I am appreciative of how it's gotten that awareness out there. But I also want to make sure that I'm letting them come on, share their story from their point of view and being ethical. I don't want to take their story and tell it out there. I think it's better coming from the horse's mouth. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I think that's that just speaks to you as a person being a survivor as opposed to someone just storytelling, which is what that's why it's another reason I wanted you on this podcast was because that's something that we like to do, too, is bring the women on and let them tell their own story. And it really allows other women to really feel connected. Anyone. Yeah, that's my favorite thing about so your podcast is re- we were the Survivor Squad, Survivor Squad, and Duty Detective. But like the community that kind of comes out of the woodwork when you ha- start having these conversations. Like when we started, we didn't know how many people would want to come share their story. We had like you being here is mind blowing to us. We're amazed at yeah, you. Yeah, such a big thank deal you. to me. But we, I'm so glad that you have a podcast like that where people can go and listen. So thank you for that. I'm so excited for everyone to learn more about you and your story just because it was oh so incredible. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you, really. You're also just like, can we go eat? Like, I want to hang out I know, right? <laughs> I'm down. Anyways, Tara Newell, everybody, thank you so much. Yeah, go much. follow her, thank all you. the things. We'll put everything in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Did I not tell you that she was a badass? I told you, I told you. (laughs) Like more than we even knew. I think it's so cool that she has turned this into what she's turned it into. It's like, she really, what is the saying? Something about like flowers out of shit. We, I get the concept, but you're absolutely right. I, I love that she came here to allow our platform to be one that she shares her story on. So I'm so grateful for her. And um, also, the you have to go follow her her Instagram Survivor Squad Pod. Um, yeah, listen, listen to her, her podcast. It's podcast. The, yeah, it's really good. And also, if you guys have any stories that you want to share with us, you can email us at investigate at datingdetectivepod.com and follow us on the socials. Our Instagram is dating detectives podcast. And let us know what you thought of this episode. I mean, I, the thing she shared with us at the end about the stages of, I mean, I like, I am so excited to talk to everybody about that because she's so knowledgeable and I feel like so many people can relate to so much of what she said, despite the intensity of her story. Uh, Tara, thank you for coming. Thank you so much, Tara. And thank you guys for listening. We're dying to know what you thought of the episode. Make sure to um, make sure to share our Instagram with a friend. We really appreciate your support. And we love you guys so much. And as always, trust your femme tuition. Hell yeah. I love you, Mackenzie. I love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.